Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode 18 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests throughout the year. This week, we'll break down the number 12 team's run in the NASCAR All-Star Race at North Wilkesboro Speedway. You Steve, mean welcome. you mean you mean the paint drying 200? Oh, we'll get into that, Steve. That's that's what my wife called it. I didn't even <laughs> she came up with that. They so, um, 200. So that that may have been the case as, as far as the Cup Series race goes, but I did want to talk to you about the week or weekend as a whole because I do think it's important to uh, to maybe look at the the whole or you know, the whole uh, picture instead of just maybe the one race. Um, and even drivers, uh, it seemed like across the board, were, the, regardless of what people maybe thought of the Cup Series race, the drivers seemed to have a lot of fun. A lot of Ryan's quotes after that was like, "Man, you know, I might have finished six Spoiler alert, but um, but I still had a lot of fun. Uh, the Cars Tour race, uh, the Truck Series race. I thought it, everything put on a good show. And it, I would just told you all weekend long. You know, I bet the people there that are there in attendance are having a really, really good time. We always say that about, about going to the race. I mean, going to the race is a whole different experience because there's so much more to it. Sights and sounds, um, definitely a nostalgic, um, aspect to it. And I think that's part of what the weekend was about was the nostalgia and bringing back that nostalgia. Um, it was, um, like bringing history alive, you know, in many ways, uh, and truthfully, you can't, I don't think in the long run, I mean, I was asking people this question, you know, was it the car or was it the track? Uh, we all really, really know it wasn't the track. <laughs> it's the car and uh, the car's problems with short track racing. Um, there were some guys that were shifting. There were some guys that put it in a lower gear and never shifted, but they were in a lower gear. So they didn't have as much off throttle time. So there was just a lot of things like that, that the car did and it caused the racing to be, you know, not as good as it should be or could be. But like I said, the nostalgic end of it and the, the, the getting that kind of um, feel of the atmosphere there. Um, TV did a great job with some of the camera views and angles and, and things that you saw about the track because nobody's been there in so long, you know, that uh, there's a whole group of eyes watching it that have never seen that track before. So um, it did a lot of good things in that, in that manner. One thing that I'm definitely happy about and it was worried about going into this was just the logistics of getting everybody in there. I know it was only a crowd of about 30,000 or so people, which for, you know, a major cup event or something like that, it may not, might not seem that big, but, um, you know, the track is kind of out in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of access to it as far as, you know, major highways, that kind of thing. And they're really stressing to people to get there as early as possible. They even had a, like a concert really early in the day to try to get, you know, majority of people there before it started. Sounds like logistically parking situation in and out went really, really well. So that's good to hear. It wasn't like a Kentucky first Kentucky race situation or something like that. Um, like you said, it was all about the nostalgia. Uh, Dale Jr., 
you know, was really pushing for this really simplistic format saying that, you know, the format shouldn't be the focus, the track should be the focus. And I think they, they were really successful on all that. Um, the race itself, you know, someone ended up hitting up, hitting on a setup that, um, now that in a, a setup in a line, in a racing line, and this happened. So I say spoiler alerts already, you know, everyone mostly knows Kyle Larson goes on to win this race and kind of spanks the field. But, um, he mentioned, you know, he won the truck race earlier in the week and he said he kind of found a line to run that involved running down on the concrete that not everybody was able to do. And it kind of sounds like he kind of went back to his crew chief, especially after they struggled in practice. They kind of talked about that line he was running in the truck race and set the car up to do that. And so I do agree with you. Definitely a mixture of the the short track package with the next gen car is not that great, but I think they also hit on setup and a racing line that nobody else was really able to figure out. So that just kind of, you know, just really, really made it a struggle for anybody else to keep up, including his teammates who he lapped. So mm-hmm. um, going into this race, I thought, um, or even coming out of this race, I just wanted to point out some things since you, you talked about it being the paint dry, <laughs> paint dry 200. Um, and I do want to remind a lot of people that are already saying, Oh, we got to do something. Um, we got to fix this. We have to do this stuff. I did have five points here that I've written down <laughs> that I want to talk to you about that I would say old school or longtime fans or, you know, I listen listen to an extreme amount of podcasts and then also, you know, the NASCAR XM channel to hear people talk about this all the time. Um, but here's some some five things that we had that people have been asking for that we had in this race. A short track. People always constantly talking about more short tracks. So here we go. We go to a short track. Um, I'm going to call this tire slash lap time fall off. Uh, the tires held up, but they definitely were important to get fresher tires. And there was lap time fall off, you know, two to three seconds from fresh tires to the worn out tires. Um, constantly all I hear is people complaining about stage racing. So pretty much no stage racing except for that one break in the middle and they didn't do a crazy format. So we got that. And, um, definitely uh, in some of the other races, but it did happen in the cup race too multiple times um, to pass. You know, this it was like a single groove track that people have been calling for at Bristol again. So we get this single groove track where if you get to somebody's bumper, your best way of passing them was to try to move them uh, out of the way, which is a little bit harder with the next gen car, but people were still able to do it. So you had all five of those things. The only thing that we didn't get that people have been kind of screaming for is more horsepower. So all I will, will say is you got your short track. You got lap time and tire fall off. Uh, you got guys having to move each other for passing. Uh, I forgot the other, the fifth one was less grip. There was less grip in the track because the track was so old. You got all of those things. And what did we end up with? A uh, race leader that ran away and nearly uh, lapped half the field <laughs> in this race. So all I say, be careful what you wish for, because you got everything except for more horsepower. And here we are. Yeah, I mean, the passing part of it, you had to get underneath them to the left rear quarter panel to actually nudge the guy out of the way. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't hit him from behind. That didn't work. Um, as we get, you know, uh, how how extensive we'll go in the report here, but, um, you know, once we get into the report, there, there's, there's some passing that happened that was based on tires. And when you talked about the tire wear, that was the problem with the last segment. Um, 100 laps and then no, there was no, well, actually 90 laps after the, they started that segment, 90 laps left in the race when it went green, there was no caution. So there was no strategy on two tires or no, or four tires, which 
would have been dangerous depending on how many laps were left. Nobody could come in and pit and then try to gain the track position back because the short, the track is just too short. They would have lost too much ground, even though they may have been faster by two seconds a lap. So those type of things never really came into play the way you'd want them to. Um, and, uh, somebody said something that was really kind of funny, but true, um, at the, the, the race had 24 drivers in it. Okay. And 24 of the best. Well, there's 12 guys missing and I hate to say this, but some of those 12 guys that were missing are the guys who always call us the natural cautions that give us the late race, uh, you know, restarts and so forth and the late race pit, pit, pit strategies and so forth. So, um, that kind of hurt things too. Cause like I said, that 90 laps was 90 laps of tire conservation. Who's better at conserving their tire. And the reality is, is they are all pretty good at it. And they all pretty much knew what line they needed to run to conserve tires. And, um, Larson spanked the field in the first segment, but in the second segment, his gap over second place was two to three seconds the whole time, even though he lapped a couple of the back markers, um, it was two to three seconds. And it's really funny is on the NASCAR app, um, there is a way to you know compare uh, drivers and you can compare them on what positions they are running in. You can also compare them on lap times. And I put Ryan's and uh, Kyle Larson's in there to look at it. And one's a blue line and one's a yellow line. And the two lines were almost next to each other the whole last 90 laps. One guy went up a hair and the other down a hair. When I say up a hair and down a hair, I'm talking a tenth of a second. So they ran, he ran lap times as good as the leader the last 90 laps, but couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's, that's kind of why we call it the paint trying hundred. Yeah. And it's also one of those things that I forgot to bring up too, is the fact that, and I've heard a lot of this in the in the wake of this race is that you know people are like especially the old the the TV commentators and radio commentators that have been around a long time they're like has nobody did nobody do their research as to what a race at North Wilkesboro was like mm-hmm. you know this is a track where I think it was in '94 Jeff Bodine lapped the entire field mm-hmm. so it's like this is what happened isn't unprecedented and it's another one of those calls for the you know man I wish racing was like it used to be well here you got here you well, got a true. taste of it. <laughs> True. And this, is a, this is a generational problem, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about the people that are older than me yeah. who watched racing back, didn't mind that kind of thing. They enjoyed it. They thought part of the deal. They followed racing at the grassroots level. They saw that happen all the time. The audience that NASCAR at least acts like they're trying to to gain and grow is the ac- uh, action audience, the uh, audience that you don't want them changing the channel. Yeah. Um, you want there to be enough action constantly so that they don't switch the channel to another channel. And that's where stage breaks came from. Okay. They decided at some point that they didn't want the whole field getting lapped. So let's do a stage break and let's do a second stage break so that the third stage, even if the third stage is a little longer than the first and two, we're not going to see 20 cars a lap down in the third stage, maybe only 10 or, you know, guys who had a crash. And that's where that came, came from. So by doing this whole thing this way, and like you said, these are pluses for the people that you're talking about. Yes, yep. they they were ones that complain. That's what, what their complaints were. You know, don't do anything gimmicky. Yep. You know, for for an all star race. And then here um, we go, needing it. We needed this, the gimmick. This was the situation <laughs> where they probably needed the gimmick. Could you imagine if they'd have come in 
and said, okay, you guys get three sets of tires. Okay. We're going to run a 50 lap stage, a 30 lap stage, a 20 lap stage and a 10 lap stage. Yep. Okay. Where, and that, that's the complete lappage. So in other words, the caution laps don't count in between and you get three sets of tires for those four stages. What are you going to do? When are you going to use them? When are you not going to use them? Are you going to save them for this stage? You're going to put them on, you know, uh, for the last 10 laps, or are you going to be out of tires by the time you get the last 10 laps, but you're going to be out front, you know, and you only use 20 laps on the tires you had. So how much did you use them? You know, do you stay out? You know, those, you know, gimmicky. Yes, it's gimmicky, but unfortunately, like I said, it's, it's the car, not the track. Once again, I want to, I want to say that. I mean, I, the track is, you know, Larson found some grip on concrete, but then again, everybody started doing it too as the race went on everybody saw it saw what it did and they did it so the track wasn't the difference the two, the car is the problem <laughs> and you know they, they still haven't figured it out yet um i heard there's a softer tire coming to new hampshire yeah so that may make a difference that's a mile track you know we'll see if that makes a difference at that track but so I know I've been pushing the recap off because I'm thinking you know in the in the main race there's not really that much to talk about but there actually is a lot to talk about leading into the weekend when we're talking about uh the the pit crew challenge and then the heat mm-hmm. their heat races in the rain and that kind of stuff so let's let's jump in and see what you got if you have any yeah. notes from uh the pit crew stuff and then we'll, we'll yeah. continue on um you know Friday at four they started with a 50 minute long practice um Ryan I noticed had an in car camera right off of the bat which was really cool knowing that he was going to have an in car through the weekend um on the first lap the 99 car spun out and I thought, oh boy, because Josh actually kind of laughed on the radio at some point because I thought, oh man, in the next couple of laps, how many guys been out, you know? Um, but really nobody did. Um, early on, uh, the single lap, his single lap time was 16th best. And it was like a half a second off the leader, um, who was the five car, of course. Uh, Ryan was super loose, wrecking loose. Uh, they only they pitted after eight laps and was down to like 23rd fast at that point. Um with, uh, you know, 15 minutes in, they came back out and they, they pretty much, I think, ran to the end here. Um, Jonathan tells them the lap times are way faster now, over two tenths faster. Um, 20 minutes in, uh, he had 21 laps on the tires. Oh, they okay, they did bring it in again here. So they brought it in one more time. And uh, once again, it's still like the 26th lap. But 20, uh, about half hour in here, um they came back out and he tells them to run 15 laps. If you're not happy, then come back in. We'll work on it some more. Um, but then he tells them, he says, I think the last few laps have been pretty reasonable compared to other people. Um, then they tell him, you know, if you're happy with it, we can keep going. Um, and, you know, it, you know, there are some cars that came back out with another set of tires too, at this point. Um, and Ryan says, I wonder if everybody's as loose as I am. Um, but about after, you know, after the, the, they ran about 60 total laps. So this last segment, they ran over 30 laps. And this is important because they, they're going to end up being the fastest 20 lap average, the fastest 25 lap average, the fastest 30th lap average. So whatever adjustments they made in the first two uh, times out were really good. Um, they just, you know, normally we're really nervous when they come in early because we've kind of noticed the way this team approaches practice. They usually try to just go out there and run as many laps as they possibly can. And we know there's a problem if they come in after just running a handful of laps. And that's what we were looking at here. But as mm-hmm. you said, they recognize that 
they came in, made some adjustments. I think you said came back in, made some more adjustments, and then they they go long. And seeing those average times made me feel a whole lot better about the, the outlook for the weekend. Yeah, because I pretty much thought that was going to be long, long green flag runs to boot. So um, the pit crew challenge, <laughs> Ryan went out, I think, 31st or 32nd. Um, they were the seventh fastest. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Uh, until the penalty. And this penalty was, you know, there's a guy checking the, um, checking to see how tight the lug nuts were on. And, um, uh, it yeah, was so Ryan. basically, it, it, uh, was, it was Ryan, it was Ryan Flores because it was the right front. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the first one he put on. And it's, uh, uh what do they call it? Chug a lug. That's uh, what, um, uh, well, on, on the, on the podcast that he does with, uh, with Corey, the joy, Corey will say how many chuggalugs, you know, one chuggalug, two chuggalugs. So he must've come off the gun just, just a hair early. You know, it makes me wonder, I I know texted this to you at that point in time, makes me wonder how, um, often this actually happens during the race, um, where that's not exactly tight and it really don't matter. It's tight enough, you know, but maybe not tight to their specs, but they can't check that during a race. You know, the only way you would know is if it really, if it fell off and that would be, you have to be really loose for it to fall off. So it just makes me kind of wonder if this happens all the time up and down pit road, every race where there are guys that leave pit road where it's a little loose, you know, and I would not, I would not doubt if they already have this kind of down to a science at this point where they know how long maybe a wheel could handle being mm-hmm. slightly loose, you know, maybe if they know there's only 20 laps left in a race, maybe we can get away with it. I mean, there is a lot on the line here. One, you know, it's a short track and you want to get your team to start up front in these heat races to get a good start for the the main event. Uh, there's also, what, $100,000 on the line for the, yeah. the winning pit crew, which, you know, I mean, I know those guys are paid pretty well, but, you know, that's still a big deal. There was a trophy involved. I mean, there's a lot of bragging rights in there. And, yeah, unfortunately, looked really good. I'm like, okay, that's that's going to set us up really good for the heat. But and and this wasn't uh, I'm not making excuses, but there was penalties from the beginning, all the way from the beginning, all, all the way yeah. to the end of this pit crew challenge. So there was a lot of of issues up and down, especially with uh, this specific well, thing on the the weight. One other interesting note I, I I took of this whole thing was that um, they showed you when the teams came out, they showed you where they ranked. And I believe Ryan's was the 14th best. Okay. Um, the car that won the pit crew challenge, 54, his pit crew was the 12th ranked uh, team up and down pit road. So they were the 12th ranked team and yet they won the thing. So just goes to show you that, you know, you can have a good one, but you can have a bad one. You know, truthfully, Ryan's was a good, really good one. If that thing is just a hair tighter or whatever it needed to be, uh, you know, seventh best would put him, you know, that much further up, uh, in, in his heat race, he would have been, what's that? One, two, three, been the fourth, fourth spot in his heat race instead of the ninth spot. So, you know, it, you know, the heat race went pretty well anyway. Uh, he ended up uh, in you know, heat one, which was really cool because heat one was all the inside line guys. And during the race itself, the inside line guy, uh, was the better line to have on a restart. Um, so all three of the Penske cars were in heat one, uh, 60 laps. They started on the wet tires. That was kind of exciting. Um, they had a competition caution somewhere about lap 30 here. Um, so, uh, the nine was leading his heat, uh, or the nine, nine, I'm sorry. was in front there. The nine was also, uh, Ryan was in P nine. Um, 
lap five, he passed the 29, got to eighth. At lap six, he passed the 47, got to seventh. At lap eight, he passed the two, got to sixth. At lap 10, he passed the 11, got to fifth. Um, and at lap 13, he tells him it's a little tight there. Um, and uh, lap 23, they tell him some guys are downshifting if you want to try it. Um, at lap 27, the 99 got the lead back from the line. Uh, Ryan says he's tight in traffic. Uh, he's trying not to burn up his stuff. You know, once again, all they're worried about is tire wear, even with the wet tires. A uh, lap 32, um, he said the right front is destroyed, and they get the caution at lap 33. Tells it's way too tight. Um, there's uh, no stagger in the tires. Now, mind you, this is a non-competitive pit stop, too, because of the, you know, so they're asking if it's dry enough out there to run the slicks. He says, I think there is a lane, um, but they tell him wet tires only. So they had to run the whole heat race in the wets. Um, Jonathan asks Ryan for a number. Now, usually when Jonathan asks Ryan for a number of how, how, you know, how tight it needs to be or whatever, it's usually one or a half or maybe one and a half. Ryan said three. So this ends up being a big adjustment. You know, there's a, there's a wrench in the window for this. Sure. Um, on the restart here, Ryan, uh, nine, nine takes the bottom. Ryan takes the bottom here in the restart lap 41 and he gets to fifth at lap 44. He passes the nine. He gets to fourth at lap 50, uh, the 11 and the 20 pass him. So he goes back to sixth. Um, the 99 wins heat one Ryan's ends up in sixth, which will put him, uh, 11th for the actual feature on Sunday. Um, he says it was too loose, so they adjusted, but it was too much. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you were talking about the rain that was going into these heat races. They dried the, they focused on really drying pit road, dried the track a little bit, but from what I understand, they couldn't actually put, uh, the real jet dryers out on the track because they were doing a lot of patchwork. You know, this was a nearly 40 year old surface and, um, tons and tons of, of patchwork on this track. And they said they couldn't put the actual jet dryers out because it would blow up, <laughs> blow those uh, patches up. So um, mm-hmm. we didn't talk too much about the track itself and how uh, with some of these patches, some of these, these repaving they actually did in the lower grooves uh, around the, the apron that it kind of created these different grip strips that guys were racing, you know, patch to patch and down, mm-hmm. down on the bottom there. That made it interesting. Um, this was a, like the second instance, I think, where they've used these uh, wet weather tires that are grooved tires that are kind of softer and do fall off uh, pretty quickly that kind of resulted in pretty decent racing. (laughs) And I think Denny Hamlin has talked before about trying to say, you know, and I think NASCAR has looked into it a little bit about at some point considering even on a, on a race, you know, a yearly basis to go to almost like a grooved tire with the next gen car because it could create some more fall off and softer tires and, and, you know, the, you'll, it'll be really grippy for a little bit and then they'll, it'll, it'll start to fall off a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. it's, and I think, I think, I don't know if it was Ryan or somebody throughout during this weekend had said, you know, man, I wish we could run on, on these, these wet tires all week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some, uh, they showed one of them come off the car for somebody and it was torn up, you know, the grooves were gone and chunks of it were out, but you know, that it did its job. I mean, and, and the thing is, is you ran it too hard if that happened, you know, um, you know, two, they, uh, I think they started with the, the dry and then they put the wets on if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, uh, we got 17 winning heat two there. I didn't really take a lot of notes on heat two. Um, there's, that's going to be the outside line for Sunday. Uh, we get to the all-star open, the, uh, the open, 
the 48 and the 54 raced their way in in the open and uh the 42 won the fun vote even though he crashed in the open <laughs> man you know talk about I mean, if people wanted action, hopefully they tuned in early for the open because those guys were in desperation mode. The 34, um, it's really funny with the with the way McDowell is because we know he's a very um, clean cut guy, like, you know, family man, all that stuff. But when he's behind the wheel, he's a totally different person. Mm-hmm. And uh, he took a he even said he didn't he didn't try to because he got involved in an incident with uh, with the 54 mm-hmm. kind of squeezed him three wide at some point and he gets in that crash with i think the one of breaks and everybody else in there and uh basically takes him out of the running and he uh he waited around for the 54 to come back around the track during a, a green flag run and got in his way and he didn't intentionally wreck him though i think he actually even said he couldn't afford the fine so <laughs> but there was you know if you're looking for action man and i always say this all the time like if you're at these cup races if you go to the coliseum or whatever like get there for the early stuff get there for the yeah. heat races heat get races. there for this this last chance race like that's yeah. where the a lot of the action is going to be in the weekend and hopefully people are there for it yeah here was a short run okay and these guys were like you know you got to get up there if you don't get up there so everybody kind of ran all out, you know, they didn't, nobody was like tire conservation mode. It's like, there's only two spots available. We have to get to those two spots. So yeah, I changed, changed the, you know, changed a lot. Um, we go to the all-star race. We got the 200 lot laps, the caution at lap 100 here. Um, 99 ended up in the pole. Ryan starts 11th. Um, we have 24 cars in the field here. Um, and, you know, the inside lane should be better on the restarts, you know. So at lap two, Ryan's up to seventh. At lap eight, he passed the 20. He gets up to sixth. I mean, it's right right there in front of him. Um, at lap 15, we're talking about, you know, saving tires. At la- in the next lap, we get the caution for the 47, helped by the 43. Yep. And this is where, um, I mean, this is where par- partially where the 15 show or the uh, five, I'm sorry, shows off what he can do. Um they talk about splitting the, the, the guys in front of them, how many of them are in pit, they might stay out. Um, most of them stay out in front of him and nine cars end up pitting. Um, and these nine cars get fresh tires. And I say fresh, I mean, you know, only going to be 16, 17 laps fresher, but like you said, there's fall off and you can run the tires differently from here to the end of the stage. You don't have to conserve as much either because you know, you can get to the end of the stage a little bit better. Um, 99 chooses the bottom. Ryan chooses the bottom ends up losing a row, but he figures being, you know, there is better, better move. Is this uh, when the, the five gets the speeding? Does he get the speeding penalty when he comes down to get these tires too? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he even, it. so all those guys that did come pit to get fresher tires, they're ahead of him because he speeds. So he, people talk That's about, you know, after this race but, that he had to pass everybody to win it and he mm-hmm. legitimately did. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the restart lap 20, he sorts out to eighth here at uh, lap 40. Everyone's conserving tires. The five car on new tires is the one who's coming. And uh, now this is, let's see. So 20 laps into that restart of the five car passes, Ryan, 20 laps in gets to ninth. Um, at lap 44, the 17 passes and we're back to 10th here. Um, and Josh says the, the longer, uh, we run, they'll come to us, you know, basically saying you keep running good lap times and the guys in front of you who are using their stuff up will come back to you. Um, and he tells them there are a couple guys with fresher tires coming. Um, Taking them a lot lap, longer, though, than the five car. 
right yeah the five car was you know like you said he was set up really well uh lap 53 we past the 24 we get to nine and the lap 55 is in the five takes the lead so what do we got here this restart was a lap so it took him 35 laps you know on his fresher tires um at lap 73 um we passed the 19 we get to eighth and at um now at lap 74 here's some more fresh tires now here's how good the fresh tires were they passed them on the outside here these next two guys 23 car so ryan's back to ninth at that point at lap 80 the 45 comes around the outside we're back to 10th uh lap 90 um the five has a 10 second lead on second place and at lap 96 uh the 23 actually gets himself all the way to second uh lap 98 we have the eight car in the way he's a lap or two down and he gets in ryan's way here and screws up ryan um so the one gets by because of this and ryan gets back to 11th here then we get our caution for the halfway break so ryan um there's only 16 cars in the lead lap at this point. The 19 is the lucky dog. Um, they're pitting going in 11th and they come out ninth. Um, the NASCAR app did not give us the time on that one for some reason, but it was good enough to gain yeah. two spots. Um, the one car was speeding on pit road and, uh, this buries him. And now we're up to eighth. And now this is, this is the problem. Like I said, now we're going to get uh, the five is leader. And he, he comes off pit road as a leader. Um, Ryan takes the bottom also to, to try to make sure he, you know, gains some position on, on some of the cars in the outside line, but the restarts at lap uh, one ten, So we got 90 car laps here and they're green the whole way. Nobody, you know, this, this basically everybody just gets behind everybody. Um, Ryan sorts out to eighth, uh, lap one twenty. of uh, the five basically is checking out. No, um, lap one forty, real quiet on the radio. He's about a half second back of the 14, running almost the same lap times. Like I said, they're within a 10th of each other. Every lap at lap 150. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Uh, my wife actually says it. She calls it the paint drying 200 at that point. Uh, lap 170. Josh says, uh, keep being smooth. Um, yeah, but the problem is, like I said, everybody is doing the same thing here at this point. Everybody's hoping somebody else makes a mistake. Everybody's hoping yep. that somebody else burns up their stuff, but everybody's doing such a good job with conserving their tires that nobody is like gain that advantage. Nobody's smoothness is any better. Uh, you know, it'd have to be three to four tenths a second better to not only catch somebody, but then to be able to pass them. So um, at that point, the five cars got a four second lead on the 23 uh, lap 176. He does pass the 17 he gets to seventh, um, you know, and what's happening is, some of these cars are starting to cancel their save mode. In other words, the 14 yeah. and the nine are coming up behind him and they're trying to trying to get past him at lap 188. He does pass the 99 and, and the, and the end car shows the 99. He just bobbles the heck out of coming out of turn four <laughs> and slides up out of the way. Cause they uh, battled for a very long time. They actually, was, cause since there wasn't a lot happening on track, they did show it on TV yeah. for a little while. And Ryan could keep getting up to his bumper uh, not enough to really move him though. So, but then yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. That's why I asked you kind of what happened because I was like, yeah. you, would Ryan finally get him and shove him or what? No, no, no he just moved himself. 
just moved himself. He he come out of four and the back end just wiggled and it wiggled and it went up the track enough and, and went right underneath him um and got basically got the pass within a half a lap. He didn't have to really battle much. Um so he gets to sixth at that point. The five car wins, um, you know, and uh all the fun stuff happens afterward. But uh, you know, like I said, it was for the nostalgia part of it, it was great. Um the car itself has to improve if they go back there. I really don't have a problem with it being a point race to tell you the truth. Um, because a points race will give two stage breaks, you know, tire wear will become an issue, but you put 36, 37, 38 cars on the track instead of 24, you're going to have more natural cautions happen because guys are going to be run, have to run a little closer to each other sometimes. Um, and you know, having enough tires, enough tires on the wall at the end of a race, you know, yeah, that's the, the five, big thing. Five or six cars stay out with ten laps or less to go on a you know on a on a you know late restart. Yeah, there's gonna be some different things, you know. But um, this format just didn't work with this format, you know. As I said at the at the top of the show, it's just so funny how nobody wanted gimmicks. Let's not make it gimmicky. Let's not have all these extra stage breaks. Let's play it out like an old school race, and we got what we asked for. Yeah, it was funny, you know. You know, fifty to go. I'm like, this has been a Decent, not maybe fifty to go wouldn't even been decent. I think like thirty to twenty to go would have been a, a interesting time to have some sort of a break because um, now I know there was only fifteen, you know, fifteen or so guys on the lead lap, so maybe there wouldn't have been as much strategy, but um, maybe a handful stay out just to just to see what happens, mm-hmm. and that would have that would have created some excitement. But then again, people would say that was well, that's manufactured excitement. That's not a real race, yada yada yada. So, um, I also heard the people saying, "Do you really want a points race here and see you know another hundred or two hundred laps of that?" And it's like, well, it'd be a totally different race, just as you said, just repeating the same points. You know, thirty six plus cars on the track probably would be a little bit more. Uh, natural cautions. We would have the extra stage break. So um, I would probably much rather see a points race there than another all-star. Well, it's, uh, you know, time to move on. I think <laughs> there was yeah, some post, yeah, plenty yeah, of post race activity, activity, but yeah, nothing that, uh, nothing we can really add to anything. The one thing that I did find funny is, um, I don't even know if I should bring it up. There was a there's a fight in the stands. There's some video circulating of the fight in the stands. And being the inquisitive journalist that I am, obviously, you know, they you get the reports at the police reports out there. It mentions who's in it. It mentions who the apparent aggressor is. And I'm just doing the searches on finding that person. And um, it's it's funny when you can look up people's social media profiles and click on it. And be like, oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised or, <laughs> or um, th- I think that specific person was, you know, had like a bunch of tickets and they were trying to sell leading into the race. And it's like, Oh, it's like, they didn't know that they were going to have a bad time and they had a bad time. So, but yeah, typical other, other types of things happened over the, the course of the end of the race. But um, um, what are you going to do? Like you said, good, good time to move on. We, we can, um, you know, uh, Ryan, Ryan had a little, you know, his, his normal comment afterward, uh, said I had a fun night six, probably the highest we got, uh, two and where we finished. And I thought we could run f- overall. It wasn't a bad night. He says we didn't have winning speed, but it was a fun night for sure. Yes. So, that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It seemed like the drivers actually kind of liked it. I'm sure they maybe would have, would have wanted the opportunity to pass a little bit more, but honestly, I don't know what to believe. 
Um, there, there, there could be a race with tons and tons of passing, and they'd still be getting interviewed at the end of the race and talk about how hard it was to pass. So I, I never know what to, what to really take from some of their interviews there. But it seemed like some of them had a good time. But I think they were also captivated by the energy and the nostalgia and, and just getting back there to race somewhere they haven't really raced at in a long time or ever before. So, um, what are your, what's your, what's your take on, um, on a repave? I like I said, I don't think you need to do it. Um, because like I said, we got to fix the car first. <laughs> sure. I understand. That's a problem. Here's my problem with the track. I didn't like that. They're pretty much racing out of the groove the whole time. And normally when you think someone's racing out of the groove, you're t- thinking the top side of the track. These guys are like racing on the apron the yeah. whole way around. So that's yeah, my only, that's my only issue with it. That was the other thing I thought about. Um, the, if it would have prepped the track with, uh, you know, some horizon or something would have maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting watching them on TV, like racing from, you know, grip strip to grip strip or like patch to patch. You could see them aiming the car for them and then, you know, kicking it off of it. But yeah, I don't know. That's my only thing for saying maybe they should just, just repave. And there's gotta be, I think Marcus Smith talked about it that, you know, they've said when they go to repave any of their tracks going forward that they own, that they plan to um, use a new type of paving technology where it would be asphalt that could be a little bit more abrasive. And I'm like, how can they in all this time have not already come up with that? (laughs) So there's gotta be some scientists out there that could figure this out, but I'm guessing they don't want to go too far and then just have a tire. You have to, you know, run the hardest tire of all time. So they don't blow. So I guess I can maybe see that there could be some science problems with it, but who knows? It, it was still fun. It was interesting to see, a, a, you know, that, that track looked like a lot of short tracks around the country do. And uh, we kind of see that week to week. So, yeah. Um, you know, kind of cool thing about we start going to our summer schedule here of recording on Tuesdays instead of Mondays. And what's what nice about that is sometimes there's some special announcements that come out on Monday that we seem to miss, or sometimes they come out Tuesday. And uh, I think we need to talk about this one right here. Uh, that the cherry lime car was announced this week. Uh, the pictures are out now. Um, it's not top secret anymore. Uh, what'd you think of the car? Car looks great. Um, I think body armor's really hit it out of the park this year between the water car and this car. I can say in the past with some of the cars, like the edge car that I know some people did like and some of their others, I haven't exactly liked them. I, there, there's a lot of fans of that graffiti car they, they ran that I still wasn't necessarily a huge fan of, but I think with this, this car with this cherry lime kind of camo scheme um, and the water car this year have been fantastic. And they're definitely ones that uh, I'm hoping he has some success this weekend because it's going to be one that I might want to get in a die cast version. Yeah, the camo look is really, really cool, um, and uh, it's in cooperation, I believe, with the Operation Homefront. It actually literally says it on the body armor bottles, if you read them carefully. Um, so they're they're doing a, a nice thing with charity there. Uh, so if you get a chance to read that, check that out on the bottles, um, go ahead and get some. It's a really good flavor, you know. Uh, the other cool thing, my- too, just like they did Atlanta with the, the water car, it does look like they're going to have the merchandise and some of the die casts already ready to go for yeah. folks that are at the track and go out to the souvenir hauler. So uh, we yeah. saw a ton of people at Atlanta over that weekend wearing all the shirts already. So uh, they do have a shirt and, uh, so, and a hat that the hat looks great mm-hmm. uh, for this cherry lime car. 
you know, we went to the pen. We we will be going to the Penske shop uh, uh, this weekend coming up. So we'll be getting. Maybe maybe I should put a thing out there where we can just Venmo me some money, and we'll mail them to you. Uh, that'd be horrible because I bet I bet you twenty people would probably say, "Hey, yeah, get me one of those." Hey, yeah, get me one of those because. Uh, but I think Penske has already got them in their shop, uh, uh, their merchandise store. So I'm sure you can get them online pretty soon. Um, the, I know they had both sizes of the die cast already. So I, I, I'm sure I'm going to pick up a small one of that. And the hats are really, uh, the colors of the hat are really, really cool. Um, I'm not quite into that mesh. Old mesh school yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an admiral thing is that that rope gives you that admiral thing. I think that's kind of a little uh nod to roger actually um so that yeah but it i mean if you're into those uh, the color scheme itself is really really cool with the blacks and the reds and the camo on there so um yeah uh, they posted some pictures of it yesterday uh can't wait to see it on the track so one thing the all-star race was and that was not a points race but we might as well just recap once again what the nascar cup series point standings look like and i'll run through the top 10 here uh, Ross Chastain is in first with 429 points, followed by Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr. in sixth, Ryan Blaney in seventh, Keselowski in eighth, Larson in ninth, Tyler Reddick in tenth. Uh, so again, Ryan is in the seventh position in the straight up point standings with 381 points. That's 48 points back of the leader. That is Ross Chastain. And all of this leads into the second crown jewel of the NASCAR Cup Series season, and that's going to happen this weekend with the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And why don't we run through the NASCAR on TV report for Charlotte Motor Speedway, where the coverage is all going to kick off on Friday, May 26th at 6 p.m. with the Arkham Menard Series General Tire 150. That's on FS1, followed by the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1. Switch it over to Saturday, May 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Xfinity Series ASCO Uniforms 300 on FS1. And then later on in the evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we get NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on FS1. And I'm assuming they're doing this in the in the in the evening time because of it being a the 600 being one of those races that transitions kind of from day to night. So that's probably something yeah. something good to see. Yeah. Um one other thing. Um this weekend will be the um the special broadcast on the Xfinity race too, right? Isn't this the all the drivers uh, driver only only, I believe, right? Am I wrong? I think that's right. I think it is. And if it is Ryan's all usually in the booth for that one. So that would be kind of interesting to see. I think mm-hmm. Kevin Harvick is usually the lead commentator and then what it might, might be Harvick, Joey and Joey and Ryan, something like that. So yeah, um, I think that might be this week for that one. Um, mm-hmm. Give some of the regular TV guys a break that might be covering the race on, on Sunday because they're in there for, you know, five and a half hours or so uh speaking of sunday sunday may 28th 6 p.m eastern time the nascar cup series coca-cola 600 at charlotte motor speedway everything else all weekend long has been on fs1 finally we switch over to fox also worth mentioning that this is like motorsports christmas uh you have the uh monaco grand prix for the formula one cars happening early in the morning indianapolis 500 in the afternoon in the nascar cup series to cap off the evening um, gone back and forth of whether we'll make the drive up to Charlotte for the 600 this weekend. Don't know, but if not, I'm going to be glued to the TV pretty much all day long. And uh, hopefully Steve, when you're up there, you'll kind of get a, get a front row seat to the action. Yeah. You know, I don't think you're allowed to come <laughs> right now. It's a 50% chance of rain. I think that's because Adam is about 
percent chance of that you know that's pretty accurate <laughs> we do bring the rain oh man um speaking of some other things that aren't that exciting let's talk about ryan blaney's uh uh stats at charlotte motor speedway out on the oval now he has had an uptick in performance over the last couple of years on the oval um but let's take a look at it average start of 15.3 average finish of 19.7 two top fives three top tens three dnfs including uh crash in last year 600 he also had an, an engine expire in 2018 if you remember that i think that was that ball of flames i was uh, we were there for that you're there right yeah, so, yeah that was he was out of the car josh was telling him what to do to go and he was out of the car before josh even what was going on yeah it was yeah crazy so but yeah over the last several races here going back to uh 2020 and which 2020 was a little odd because I think they they ran the oval twice making up races during that that first year of the pandemic. So um, finished third, two back to back third places, third, third, thirteenth, and then 29th last year when he after he was involved in that crash, uh, he only made it 195 laps. So he didn't barely made it to well almost made it to halfway. So didn't make it the whole rest of the way. So statistics at Charlotte aren't that. Great. Um, where, what do you think about that historically? And then also maybe paired with some of the uh, challenges the Ford manufacturer cars have had uh, on intermediate tracks this year. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's going to be the problem. Is so what what do we do? What kind of strategy do we need to do to get ourselves up there uh, as the race goes on? Uh, truthfully, though, I, I like his chances on mile and a half if there's long green flag runs this is a thing where we talk about the tire um, conservation that we were talking about earlier um, and the short track situation it it doesn't work at all but in in, in a mile and a half situation uh, you have a wide range of areas that you could run in and have problems with your tires in a long run and ryan like i said is really really good at tire conservation running lap times and being faster and on a longer run. So um, that's really what I'd like to see is a lot, a lot of nice long green flag runs where they get, you know, uh, even green flag pit stops in even, but uh, the 600 actually isn't conducive to that. Actually the 600, because of the way it's, there's an extra stage break in there, halfway point um, there, they broke the stages up where they're even pretty much. And you don't get, um, you don't get a lot of green flag pitting. There's usually caution somewhere at the right point in each of those uh, stages. So it was definitely a candidate last year, I believe, for race of the year. There's a lot of excitement going down to the end of that race. I think there's a point when Austin Dillon had made like a huge sweeping move that potentially could have won the race. It still ended up going into overtime. Uh, based on my notes, they actually went 413 laps, so they went 13 laps over the normal 400. I think the race went uh, like five hours and 15 minutes or so, which I think is more like the fifth longest Coca-Cola 600 in history or something like that. So if you are going to be there, uh, this potentially could be a, a really long race. As of now, you're saying what? Rain was in the 50% chance or 50%, so. So And it's far enough out where it doesn't tell you like what part of the day, how often, you know. Yeah, could be totally it's hit and miss, but hopefully it miss. is a really nice weekend. If there's some nice windows in there where they can get, you know, to, you know, get an hour or two in, you know, and then if there's a little shower and it comes through and it comes through quick enough and they get back out there and clean it up, you know, that's, that's all you can hope for if it, if it gets that way. But, um, who knows, man, it could always just go all the way around it too. There we've seen races where, um, 
you know, there was rain all around the track and never hit a track too. So let's take a look at the last several race winners just on the oval at Charlotte motor speed speedway. I'll go back to 2017 when Austin Dillon won the 600, uh, Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and then Denny Hamlin won the 600 last season. Um, I know we'll do a – we didn't get to do a fantasy recap for the, the Wilkesboro race, mainly because there was no fantasy to do unless you're a mm-hmm. part of the daily fantasy group. But um, anybody on those – on that list kind of strike you. I mean, I think we have to take a really big look at, you know, guys like Hamlin guys like Truex that are in Toyotas and, you know, another one bubble Wallace is on a pretty big hot streak Mm -hmm. right now. So he might be another guy that that could pop up and win this thing, but you got to survive, you know, all 600 miles of this race. It's extremely kind of long ruling race. I'm not sure what the temperatures are going to be like, but um, I think those guys might be the ones to look for. Yeah, the Toyota is what the first place I would look. Um, you know, practice qualifying Saturday night kind of give you an idea how how well the cars are set up too. Because you know, if they set up pretty good, and and you know somebody um, lately, the, the Keslowski and Busher, those guys have actually been running real well for the Fords. So, um, I guess I see practice qualifying and see on that. But uh, yeah, Bubba's definitely a guy I would look at, at this point. Right now, he is driving really, really well, um, and it shows. So I mentioned uh, no full fantasy recap, but I will, again, just like I did with the cut point standings, give an update on what the overall standings are in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. We have a tie for the ninth position with no hesitation in Sam Speedsters with 2,419 points. Tie for the seventh position with Mez 12 and Blaring Idiots with 2,422. And sixth is Penske Fan 24 with 2,436. And fifth, we have Epic Chickens 1916 with 2,478. Fourth is Go Larson, 2,482. Third, uh, Christian Dana, 2,495. Second, Blaney's Daisy, 2,505. And leading the way in the first position, the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League is Factory of Sadness 6, 2,530. Um, as I'm reading this, Steve, it just reminded me of something that happened over the past week. And that is the fact that um, the team owner... <laughs> Uh, or the the person behind the team that is Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, mm-hmm. who currently is in the 29th position, tied for 29th overall with 2,308 points. He lives. We found <laughs> him. We found him. He found us, which is great. Um, we should you should get, get a hold of him and see if he wants some sort of swag. We owe we owe him something because um, he's not only uh, been so good at fantasy, but he's got one of the better names in, in fantasy racing history. <laughs> um, I, get, I get a laugh every time you read it. Uh, all I can think of is that, uh, is that movie with, you know, with Bert and, uh, and Jim neighbors, <laughs> the fastest chicken in the South, you know, <laughs> it's really funny. A lot of really cool things have happened since we had that interview with Ryan Blaney a couple of episodes ago, tons of amazing feedback, tons of downloads and video views across all of our platforms. Um, and actually that interview is what I think sparked, um, us to actually find Clyde finally. So, mm-hmm. so I think he he finally tuned into an episode of the podcast and then started listening and then um, here we are. So uh, congratulations uh, if you're listening once again for your last two fantasy championships. Um, this year he even admitted it isn't going that well, but there's still time to catch mm-hmm. up. I think. Um, so one other thing that's going to be happening this weekend we've talked about it all year long. We had um, you know Leah Blaney Reeves on to talk about it, and that is the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation 
has an event coming up on Thursday night, uh, the second annual Drive for Good uh, Top Golf event in the, at the Top Golf University in Charlotte. And Steve, I know this is something that you're really looking forward to. And can you give folks just some you know last minute details on what's going to be happening? Yeah, the, you know, um, one of the things is the silent auction will go online, I believe, Wednesday. Uh, if you're if you're downloading this today, uh, Tuesday night or or Wednesday during the day, and they'll have it going all the way through to uh, Thursday night's event. Um, you know, silent auction, online auction. Uh, they haven't really announced a lot of the items yet, but some really cool stuff last year. Um, and uh, we're heading down uh, Thursday uh, during the day itself. We'll get there hopefully in the afternoon for the event. Uh, with our friends, uh, Jerry and Kirsten, uh, who, who golf with us last year, actually in our group. Um, but it's, it's a great time. Uh, you know, they, they did a fan, uh, accessible, uh, ticket this year and, uh, it, it's really going to be cool to, to be able to, uh, do that. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll send some pictures and so forth, uh, back toward Adam's way so that, uh, the team planning accounts can post some pictures of the action, some videos of the action, if we can get it out of there, with, uh, some good Wi-Fi. And, uh, you know, uh, they definitely look at the online auction, um, and also, uh, you know, they got ways of donating, um, the, the, the card, um, I see it over your shoulder there. <laughs> the, it was, the get on the wall of fame, right? Yeah. Wall of fame. Yeah. So, you know, donate 50 or more to that. Um, they'll not only put the wall, of, put you on the wall of fame, but then they'll autograph your card and send it to you. Um, and that's a really cool thing to do. Mine's, uh, <laughs> I have mine's actually on our, on our, uh, board out in the living room. We have it actually displayed so people can see it. Um, but it's a really, really cool little thing to do. Um, if you can't be there, uh, go ahead, donate a couple bucks. It goes to a great cause. Um, and like I said, the auction, look at the auction items. Don't outbid me. If you see my name on it, <laughs> <laughs> <Try not to. laughs> oh man, you know, uh, so, you know, cause, uh, there'll be some really cool stuff to look at and bid on. Um, definitely. So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the team Blaney podcast. And I want to thank you everyone once again for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at team Blaney on Instagram at team Blaney. And finally, I'd like to encourage you to support the aforementioned Ryan Blaney family foundation established in 2018. This organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's association and UPMC sports medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch fan club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on any of their very active Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and other social media accounts. But for now, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Hey, good night, Brussels. Hey, make sure you check out the TikTok. Thursday night, I promise I'll do a TikTok from the event. Well, thanks everybody for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.